Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout. And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies. But the best part is the free shipping. You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout. That's C-A-N-D-Y. So Shelby, what are you getting me? Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your co-host, Emily. And today we're here with Fit Sydney. She's going to be talking a little bit about OnlyFans and sex work safety. Um, but to get started, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. So my name's Sydney. I also go by Fit Sydney. Um, I'm one of... The people in the industry that uses their real first name. Yeah, so like that's something that I couldn't get away from. So like a lot of people know me in real life and in sex work. And they all know me by the same name. So <laughs> that's something that's, you know, kind of unusual, but you know, I'm cool with it. <laughs> that's interesting. Why did you decide to go by your real name? I didn't decide. My fans did. Um, basically, I tried to go by Olivia and because I've been on social media since I was 12, I had a decent, like I had a pretty big following before I started sex work and I was in the fitness industry. So like I was already kind of showing my body and I had like a male presence already there, just ready for me to like one day do an ass pick. You know what I mean? And, uh, I went by Olivia with my, when I started my premium snap, cause that's how I ended up getting into the industry. And, um, I basically was told you can't go by Olivia, you're fit Sid. So I just like had the usernames, but then I realized really quickly that on Reddit, on all the platforms, you know, they weren't going to call me Olivia. They were just going to keep saying Fit Sid. So, so I just kind of like took that and I was like, okay, it's going to confuse everyone if I try Olivia when they've already established that I'm Fit Sid, you know? So that's kind of where for me, I think that like, Cause we're going to talk about safety. And I think that a lot of people need to understand that. Like, I do know a lot of people that use their real first name and it's something that like I have experienced personally having my own for, like real first name out there. And I spell my name different. Like my name is spelt S I D N E Y versus S Y D N E Y. So it does make it a little bit smaller of a pool to find me. Um, <laughs> So I feel like it's an important thing to talk about. Yeah, I guess I feel like I have so many questions, but I do want to get into the topics that we want to hit because I think particularly sex work safety is so important. So to start out, like, how do you feel like using your real name has affected your safety as a sex worker? So, well, a couple things. So personally for me, um, I obviously my first name and my face, I feel like are very they're like more on the unique side. Sydney is usually either a guy, the way that I spell it, or there are some girls like baby Sid who also um, go by that phrase and name and stuff. But when you look for a girl that has dark hair, a mole on her face and wears glasses, and you look up Sydney, my first name, it is very easy to find me on the internet. And I think that like looking me up is easy 
And because of that, I can't go straight away from it. You know what I mean? Like anything in my real life is connected to my sex work now because of that. And it always works. So do your parents? Yeah, everyone. I am very, very open. I don't think I could hide it at this point because even this morning I went to go get a drink and the girl who worked there knew who I was without me even like, I didn't even have to say my name. And I said the order and she just kept staring at me. And she was like, oh my God, I follow you on social media. So like, I just know that like, if I were to do that and my parents were to be around, I had to tell them. Like I told them so early on. <laughs> That's so funny. How did they respond? They, uh, well, my dad thought that I was a prostitute. Um, so he was, he was, he wasn't like upset. He was literally just like, tell me, don't just be safe. And I'm over here like, dad, this isn't what's really happening. Like I'm on the internet. It's on internet work. Like, cause I'm not a full service sex worker and I don't look down on people who are or anything like that. But like, I had to make it clear to my dad, like what I do, because I didn't want him like worrying about me in public doing, you know what I mean? Um, my mother, it took her a lot longer to come around. Like she obviously didn't like disown me or anything. Uh, they're both very supportive, but my mom is someone that is like a feminist, but in the sense of she has a different view of feminism. I feel like there's three views of feminism. There's the side that believes that you should, the sex worker side where you should have control of your body, your price, whatever you want to do with it. There's the middle ground where some people are like, they waver. And then there's the people that are like, you should not be selling your body. You know what I mean? And my mom's more on that side. So for her, I think she had to like mentally process it, but they're supportive. So that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like uh, that's so lucky that you have a family that's supportive. Cause yeah, I, I actually have a follow-up to that real quick. Um, I yeah. guess kind of when you're, you know, thinking of telling your family, hey, I'm a sex worker. Did you find that you needed to kind of explain a lot more about sex work? And how difficult was it to have that conversation with your family? Because I know when I talk to my family about literally any social issue, they're like, stop, we didn't condone prostitutes, terrorists, or rapists. And so sometimes I find it really difficult to have those conversations. How did you navigate that? Well, so for me personally, I'm really lucky to have a father who's like super open-minded. He's like very into gay rights and like just everything that's in the world that's like relevant to sex work. He's kind of already been exposed to like as when before I was born, my father was like already trailblazing with certain th like certain mindsets that most parents don't have. Um, my mom, on the other hand, like, yeah, I see, look at that. <laughs> um, but my mom, on the other hand, she is someone that like, I think for her, she grew up very orthodox in a specific religion. So she obviously like, I grew up very, I grew up with half my family being very, very religious and the other half being like, do you do you like live your life? Um, so it's kind of one of those things where I think for my mom, like explaining stuff to her, sometimes it overwhelms her because I think she like is so set in a way of being and it's nice though, cause she'll still listen. It's she, but I just feel like it takes a lot longer to have a conversation like that because you really have to break it down. Like, and I feel like the past two years it's become second nature to me, like fetishes and everything like that are just normal to me now. So like when I have a conversation with my mom about, uh, like one thing that like, I don't want to get too in deep with, but like, um, right before all of this black lives matter stuff started happening, I had actually talked to my dad and then one of his friends about how 
she was on a dating app and she was basically saying like, oh, this guy that's a tall black man kept saying that he wants her to like say that she's into tall black men, you know? And I told her, I was like, that's actually like fetishizing himself. Like he has a fetish for that, you know? And um, it was just an interesting conversation because for me, I was explaining to her like things that I've learned with that and just how in my job, I try to steer clear of like fetishizing that area, even though I'm okay with fetishes. And so it's just interesting because like I can I can talk to anyone about it and it's normal to me. And to them, I'm probably like, they're probably leaving that conversation like, this girl just randomly brought this up at dinner, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so funny how the more you talk about sex like with your friends or just like from this podcast, mm-hmm. the more comfortable you get with it. And then you totally forget that like other people don't do that so much, you know? Well, yeah, and I've always been a sexual person. So for me as a child, like it was... I've always been like that. I've never, like, I'm a huge nudist and stuff. So, like, clothing's not, I grew up being yelled at to put clothes on because I have a little brother. And my mom would be like, oh, my gosh, you can't do that. And I'd be like, well, I mean, I've been doing that since I was, like, zero. So, like, I was 15 when I started getting yelled at. And I was like, Sydney, maybe you should put clothes on around him. But it's the thing of, like, I'm so used to it that I didn't even think it was a big deal. And, uh... Uh, I feel like all my friends before I got into sex work, once I did, they were like, yeah, we saw that coming. They're like, you are just meant for it. And I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> but I love that. So yeah, do you have any tips for how sex workers, especially because the industry has grown so much with this pandemic, yeah. do you have any tips for the ways that sex workers can stay safe? Yeah, so I have a few. I think one of the biggest things that I would say is like, no matter if you use your real name or not, and this is something that like, I've had girls that I've given advice to, and then they don't listen to me. And then literally two weeks later, something bad happens to them and they call me and they're like, Hey, can you help me with this? And I'm like, well, I told you how to like go about this. So anyone who's listening, don't think it can't happen to you because anything can. I remember when I first started, cause I've been doing this for two years and I've been doing social media for over eight now. So I've always had people that have been following me. I've always been on the internet. Um, I was definitely an internet kid. And when I, before sex work, I never thought that I could have something happen to me, if that makes sense. And then I got into it and I was using my real first name. My, uh, a lot of personal information was on white pages, which is a very popular thing. So if you're a sex worker and you're watching this, First thing you need to go is Google yourself. You need to go and find yourself on white pages, take down your personal information, your family's information, because all of that is public record for your state and and white pages can buy it and post it on there. And um, most people have it on there. Like I could look both of you up right now and I could find you if you haven't taken your stuff down most of the time. I have looked up almost all my friends and had their stuff taken down. So White pages is one of those places where like everyone kind of knows if you're, if you're a, if you're trying to find one of your sex worker, for, uh, not friends, but sex worker girls that you're like obsessed with, then I promise they can find you. And it's usually not the masses, but it's that one crazy ex-wife or that one crazy wife that finds out he subscribed to your OnlyFans. That'll do it. Um, so my first thing is look yourself up on the internet submit that you're a public figure. This is what I do. I submit that I'm public figure and tell them that it is a detriment to my safety and that the information needs to be taken down. 
So that's the first step. And that's probably the easiest of them all. The second thing, if you have a company, especially when you get into sex work, you should create one um, because when you're an independent contractor, you can't write off the same things you can as a company. But the other thing is spend that extra money. And this is the biggest thing I would say to anyone. When I was starting out with sex work, I had the luxury of having like a lot of fans, but I also came with the price of, okay, all my stuff's on the internet. Like my whole life, I used to vlog my whole life. So I had my old car, I had my old house, like stuff at places I don't live now, but in the background of my videos. So you want to make sure that when you create a company, you're, you hire, and this is where the money part comes in. You want to spend that extra hundred to $200 to hire someone else to create the entity and put the residential or the company address as their address for, do you know what I mean? Biggest way to put it is like, the company puts their address instead of your personal one, because usually you won't have an office when you're a sex worker. And then you make your mailing address a PO box. And I think that a lot of people, they just think, oh, no one can look that up. Well, I've had multiple girls in my state have problems. And then I look them up and I'm like, this is the first thing you find because they make their company, their porn name or their sex worker name. And people can easily look that up in the corporation book. So that's the second thing I would say. Um, and I don't really like put these out on Twitter. And the reason why I don't is because you don't want your fans finding out the easy ways to look people up. But I just know it because I've had people obsessed with me in the past and like, oh, people have sent me a lot of personal things about me. Yeah. So I guess my question is, so from the information security standpoint, um, I do want to make it very clear to that from an engineer and somebody who actually works in this industry all of your information is up like yeah. a lot of people think that when other people say it they're being paranoid they're going crazy no I shit you not one of my friends was dating this girl and I was like do you want me to show you what I can fucking do and it turns out her dad is like the VP of a university I was like obviously you need to take this girl out like but then he was like how did you find that it takes five mm -hmm. minutes so a lot of people don't realize yep and especially a lot of people don't realize that on most platforms and this is kind of like a little bit off topic but something i also find really important and then i have another question for you sydney yeah is most of the time if you're not paying for a service you're the product so yeah. most of the time a lot of companies most valuable asset is data facebook makes 12 dollars per user just from advertising and just distributing like yeah. information about you even if your name isn't put there specifically that's how they make their money so and then my yeah and well and the other thing too is like you know those small websites you sign up for your stuff they can sell that to someone else so even if you don't realize like say you're not on social media the way that you think you would be you're probably still ordering from somewhere yeah whenever you give your email or your name it's out there even and there are so many data breaches like as somebody on the software side, it's it's so hard to figure out how to get ahead of the next hacker, how to get ahead of the next data breach. Like everything is put in place, but shit still happens. And at the end of the day, like you just need to be a lot more careful about the information you put out there. Yeah. And like one thing that I do is I don't have my personal number out there to really anyone. About five people have my actual personal phone number and then everyone else is on my main one and then I have a work one. So like my personal number, I've never used for anything. It is under a different name. Like literally it's a whole nother world because I don't ever want that being 
Like I want that number to be safe, you know? So I never put that in when I get an order or the arrive text. And uh, I never even have let sex workers have it because there's so many people that will dox you. And that's the other thing is like, to like, the next point is kind of just be careful who you give your information to, especially you can get a Google voice and put that in instead of your real phone number. And even your real phone number, people can look up on Verizon or AT&T, like I've called before and I've been like, hey, this is my number, even though it was my parents and I was trying to get into like upgrade my plan, but it definitely was me as a 15 year old doing that. So, so one thing that I'm really curious about is the way that you're talking about it is it seems like a lot of the stuff that you learned is from experience. What was the moment when you realized it went from having fun and assuming that, you know, people would be moral and not try to stalk you to, holy shit, you have to protect yourself from everybody out there, realistically. Yeah, I think I remember too, because I was actually sitting right here and I was reading my email and I had been doing sex work for about a month. And I was, I was just like sitting here right at my dining room table, which I work at because it's just such a positive area for me. And I was sitting here and I was sitting across from one of my friends who just came over to work with me for the day. And like, this was back when I had first started. So no one had like, I didn't have anyone that I knew that did sex work. Like I was just doing it on my own, kind of figuring it out, you know? And I got an email and this is about one month into having a premium Snapchat. Oh, actually, yeah. One month into having premium Snapchat. And my, I had like a pretty high tipper and he had sent me about $500. So obviously that's noticeable on your bank account. And his wife had found all my personal information and she had emailed me seven paragraphs of how she's going to kill me and put me in a ditch and dismember my body all because he had spent $500 of their money. And that was obviously not me like coercing him. He just sent me it. And, um, it was through PayPal too. So like, I could literally, I knew exactly who it was and her name was on her email and it was the same last name. So I realized very quickly who it was. And she had put in the email, my phone number, my address, and my, my, my address wasn't the one that I lived at, you know, like this place, if that makes sense, it was my parents' address. And that scared me so much because that was what was on white pages and I didn't live there, but my parents lived there. And this crazy lady's over here, like saying literally seven paragraphs about how she's going to kill me and dismember my body, like in great detail and put me in a ditch. So at the time I like called the police, I was crying. I was like, so shook up. And it was just from an email. Do you know what I mean? Like, so think about having people say that to you in person or having people call you and leave you voicemails that just got worse. And, um, I think the biggest thing is like, that's when I Googled myself and I realized, wow, all of this is on the internet. And then obviously a lot more has happened since then. And I've kind of become immune to it. I'm like, 911, what's your emergency? Just kidding. I only call the non-emergency number now because I'm so used to it. I'm just like, well, can I file a report? (laughs) How, How often does stalking come with sex work? I feel like that's not something we've talked about much. Um, so I, I definitely feel like when you're starting out, if you get, okay, so I started out with a lot of fans that were instantly like ready to pay because I'd built up that base for about six years before I'd even gotten into sex work. I think though, because I have a lot of girls that I mentor and we talk about safety, like that's one of my first things I bring up. Here's the thing. You get the girl 
that starts out and gets very close and doesn't set boundaries with her fans. And I'm someone that's big on boundaries and I always had them like starting out too. Um, so I don't really like get too close if it makes sense. There's been like one or two close calls recently just because, you know, people are vulnerable right now. And like, I've realized I've been, I haven't been good about boundaries recently, but like starting out, I was, but most people are the opposite. Like they go in and they're like, everyone's my best friend. I'm going to tell you everything about my life. For me, I feel like because of the big fan base, obviously you're going to have people that are obsessed with you, but it's not like every single person. But when you start out, if you don't have boundaries you're and you're a cam girl specifically, you get so close to your fans. Like they, when you're a porn star and you're not talking to them, you know, versus the way you would be with cam, you become a lot closer in my opinion. And like when I go on lives, like I get a lot closer to my fans because it's live, it's real time. It's them tipping their hard earned money, like in front of you to notice it. And, um, I've noticed that like a lot of the girls that I mentor, they go the extra mile for their fans, which is awesome. But then suddenly it becomes a little too much and the fans become more than a fan. They fall in love with that person. And this is what happened to me recently. I literally had to set a boundary. I was like, this is my job. Um, I know you say you're falling in love with me, but that's not what I'm looking for on this OnlyFans, you know? (laughs) And I had to restrict his account and block him because I just knew that it was not good for him, not good for me. But then other people don't know how to say that. Do you know what I mean? Like, keep it going. They milk it. And um, it ends up being something where it's it becomes obsessive. And the person gets their feelings hurt like a normal ex-boyfriend would. And they will Google you, find your house, drive to you. It's happened a few times because the girls will say, like, in my mentorship program that I have, a few times where the girls will say, yeah, like I told them what city I'm in and my address to send me gifts. And I'm like, so you really thought that was a good idea. <laughs> like, But you don't think about it until you experience it. Like, I really feel like experience is what makes you understand like how dangerous it really can be. Yeah, you're muted. Oh, I'm muted. I mute my microphone because my dogs are fucking psychotic. <laughs> the plane never stops. But um, my question Emily, was, you're muted. So we see in normal relationships that it's up to both mm-hmm. partners to respect boundaries. Um, when it's a client, uh, you know, sex worker relationship, do you think that it's more on the sex worker to maintain those boundaries? Or how can you navigate that? I think that? it's definitely on the sex worker. And I think for me personally... Um, I make sure that they know that I don't do meetups. Like if you do meetups, cool. But like, I personally have to have very strict boundaries. Like I literally have copy and paste messages because on a daily basis, I get over a hundred people that pay for my platform who will literally say, I just want to meet you. And they'll say, I'll tip you this much. And they'll literally do it. And then I'll say, I didn't agree to this. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like I honestly feel like it's not on the clients for boundaries because people will, if you say you go to an auto shop and you're the person that owns it, you're the one that sets the price, you set the service you provide, the person that goes in there is just going to buy whatever you offer. So having those boundaries is like, in my opinion, definitely comes from the model. And I think um, you can 
build a fantasy and still have boundaries. Like I have a very big fan base that loves just wishing they could go on a date with me, not even fuck me, like just a date. And so I build up that fantasy. I let them get to know me, but I don't share my life. I don't share what happens on a like a daily basis. I might tell them, Oh, I'm in the hospital or, Oh, like whatever is happening in my life. But I don't share like, Oh, I want to date with this guy on Tinder. Like I, I'm not going to tell them that, you know? <laughs> So, so because you obviously don't want to share aspects of your real life, do you ever sometimes make up aspects about your life? Like, you know, sometimes when I'm sexting a guy, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm laying in bed in lingerie. When in reality, I'm having a sleepover with my friends being like, this is fucking hilarious. I I think for me, what I do is like, I don't really have to go too far because most of my men want me, whatever I'm doing, they're like, just show me what you're wearing right now. And I could wear like ugly shit, being cute shit, like whatever. And a lot of them, I think for me, when I'm on Sex Panther, like they just want a photo set. They don't care if it's now or later or anything. They just are like, asshole, show me. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So, so for me, like, I feel like because I don't do like full sexting very often, like a lot of them just want to talk about their lives. And like, I have a ton of them that live near me. So like we have all of the stuff that's going on in real life right now. And like, literally they will pay to talk to me about them, like dealing with, I live in a place that's super hot. Right. And so right now we have like a few different brush fires that are like pretty big. And one guy just paid my texting is two fifty for a text. Right. He spent, hundred dollars talking to me about his farm that he has where I live, which is like literally probably 20 minutes from me. You know, that's how close they can be sometimes telling me about the, the horses that um, he has to hold because of the brush fires, if that makes sense. And he paid to tell me that. So I feel like because my fans are so into me as a person and the personality I have, it builds that fantasy. But I just, my biggest thing is I don't tell him that he's 20 minutes from me you know what I mean I just let him talk I'm just like wow you're so kind-hearted rather than me going in I like to do less talking than more if that makes sense when it comes to fans because I don't I'm an oversharer. like I will literally tell you my whole life story if I meet you in the grocery store <laughs> yeah how do you set that boundary as because I'm also an oversharer and I'm so bad about not doing that so like how did you train yourself to not do that So I think for me, um, I had to take a break from YouTube. I've been doing YouTube since I was 12, right? And that you literally can, I am the biggest overshare on YouTube. You can go through my old videos and you'll find ones of me. Most are privated now, but I had about 50 crime videos on my YouTube channel um, that were really like real videos for me about like my first love breaking my heart, like all just these things that you as a sex worker probably wouldn't post or share when you, because you're already vulnerable. So I took a year off from YouTube. And I think that something that people don't get is when you're so vulnerable showing your body, you don't want to be vulnerable with your soul and your mind. Like there's, there's a limit. And I took a year off from YouTube because I just could not share myself to that extent for a while. Like I really had to give myself a break. And now I've come back and um, where I'm at now with YouTube is basically I make videos that are only sit down. I don't really do vlogs. Maybe I'm working on one right now because it's a sponsored video from Yandy.com. They're paying me to make a vlog, which is awesome because they're like, the. I think I'm the first sex worker that they're paying to do a YouTube video for that's like a real sex worker. Oh my God, I love Yandy. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so I'm, 
I'm so excited because like Yandy is someone that I've been purchasing from for like two to three years now and I'm plus size and they have that plus size area. So it's just like exciting to have that opportunity, but I'm doing a vlog for them, um, which is hard because my days are very explicit and they're not really like, like either it's me sitting at my computer doing something like something like this. I could show, right? But I can't show my sexting. I can't show me picking out clothing a lot unless it's like me not trying it on, if that makes sense. So with the vlog, I think what I'm doing, going to be doing is just showing my day. Besides like all the little things I do, I will show, but not the stuff that's fully sex work because I don't want to share my screen. I don't want to share the video making on YouTube. Like you just can't talk about that. Um, so I think for me, it's helped me because... I've figured out, like, I don't need to share my emotions 24-7 now. Um, I've gotten to the point where, like, I can talk about the good that's going on. I don't talk about people in my personal life because I, my family knows, like, they've been on my internet, on my stuff before. Like, people know what my father looks like, but, like, I feel like I just don't do that anymore. Do you know what I mean? I just don't post family pictures. My siblings are not of age, so... And their friends all know what I do. So I just don't want to put them in the limelight. So I kind of keep it very like, if I'm talking about myself, it's only me. If I'm talking about what's really going on in my life, I keep it very, very like cut to the point, not details, like no names. Um, I know that like a lot of my friends that I have that used to be on my social media, they're trying to become teachers, doctors, like they're very close to graduation right now. Um, this is like their last year coming up and I wouldn't want to jeopardize their, their lives. So I don't share what I used to, like, I don't have, my Instagram is literally just me and the girls I work with. It's never my personal life anymore, which I think people think it's my personal life, but what they don't get is like my best friend's not on any of my social media. Like she's completely off of everything. So makes sense. Yeah. You mentioned earlier a mentorship program. What is that? So, okay. So basically what I do is I, I like, I'm very big on like helping everyone and it's kind of gotten like really big at this point. So I'm trying to re refigure out everything because <laughs> I'm the type of person that I'm an overshare, which is fine when you're mentoring someone. But I also am someone that needs to keep boundaries because I've hit the point where like, I'm definitely maxed out on like how many girls I can help. And I don't want to feel like I'm not able to, I take someone under my wing and then I can't, you know? Um, so with my mentorship program though, I have a Dropbox, I have a group chat. I have, uh, obviously one-on-one -on -one messages and we do zoom calls. The last zoom call was four hours of just loaded information because I'm someone that like, I will tell you every, if you're part of my referral specifically, that's how most girls get into it is, um, Either they hear through Telegram about me at, or YouTube or because I have a YouTube video that's at over half a million views. So obviously a lot of people that look up OnlyFans find that. But then the other thing is the girls under my referral, they get precedent because they automatically I make 5%. <clears throat> so we had a Zoom call and I like shared everything, answered any question because if I, everyone implements things differently. So I don't feel like it's competition whenever I work with someone like the girls that fly into town to work with me. Um, one girl, she just flew in like a little bit ago and literally within a week it was 
8% to 3% within seven days, just from, we haven't posted the content yet, but literally just from being around me and seeing how I do things because I'm someone that's very business minded and I, I'm fine with sharing whatever, like my thing though, is I don't throw that on YouTube, like the big secrets, if that makes sense. Cause everyone's got their own business model. I'm very business minded. So my business model is very like cutthroat and I made a video on it and every girl in the referral chat was like, whoa, like I can't, I never thought of that. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing it for two years and like, it's been consistent. So like, try it, you know, cause I'm not one to be like, I'm not going to share my business model. Cause like other girls I know have it probably like I've seen the way they operate their stuff. So I know that what they're doing is similar to what I'm doing, you know? And uh, yeah. So like when it comes back to like mentoring people though, we, I give out all the information I possibly can in a very concise video with graphics and examples. And then when, and then I like go through their OnlyFans and I tell them what they need to change, what they can improve on, what they could even maybe take away from their free accounts if they have a free one, because you don't want to give too much. Like I have a girl that only does feet content. And so I said, okay, like don't post a free picture of your feet, make them pay to play. Um, and then I came up with ideas of how she can promote her feet content without ever showing her feet. So, and now she's made over like $500 in two days yes because she went from posting her feet to not and i think that's a hard thing for a lot of people is they feel like they have to post a nude to get where they want to be and like i don't think it's bad if you do but with my business model you can't do that and still make money if that makes sense or as much as you could you know versus like other people's business model is post a nude and then they have their own way of like pulling in the sales, which is totally fine. But if someone follows my business model, that would not work. Like you would probably make $5, <laughs> you know? So, so uh, I have been seeing a lot of stuff recently. And I think this might be because of the pandemic about free OnlyFans. And I don't know like a ton about OnlyFans, but that sounds like it would defeat the purpose. So could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was, I was the same way as you I was like fuck this fuck free pay to play fuck everyone like I was literally just like a big hater I told um one of my best friends that is in sex work I told her I was like fuck that you never need to do that like you little hoe like don't do that (laughs) like I was literally like such a hater I told her I was like um if you do that like you're just gonna ruin your brand and then I was like you know what I'm gonna make a YouTube video I'm gonna make I'm gonna do it for a month and test it out Two weeks in, my mind was changed. Really? Two weeks in, I realized, like, the first week, I was like, fuck this. This is still stupid. And then the second week, I was like, holy shit, I just made an extra $700. And, like, keep in mind, I didn't tell my fans about it. Because I didn't want to ruin what I had built with my brand for my paid, my VIP one. So I was like, don't tell your fans. So I literally did it the way that anyone starting sex work would that didn't have following. So it actually gave me a lot of insight onto like how to do it. Obviously, I'm I'm such a business-minded person. And like, I've always been that way. Like since I was 12, I'd be like, oh, you want me to do that for you? Pay me, you know? So like as a child, like I've always had that mentality. So I think it helped with the free page going into it because if you – don't I have a lot of girls that I mentor that don't have that mentality and they're like oh I'll talk to him for 10 hours and I'm like did he pay you and she's like no and I'm like okay well don't do that like you you're 
do the three minute rule if anything like amberly she always says three minutes and then they're done and my rule is they have to literally subscribe talk to me but but when you're starting out the three minute rule is definitely like beneficial so when i started my free page i was such a hater right then i started and i got under someone else's referral i did not use my own referral because I wanted to do it the way that anyone else would that's starting out. Um, I got under SS Like Eyes, her referral. So when I start, you get one shout out. And I gained about 500 fans from that shout. It was fine. I didn't tell any of my fans about it. So I was literally starting as if I was someone that like didn't only had personal accounts, didn't have anything on Twitter, sex work based. And then I joined some Telegram groups that I needed to just to help grow. And I shout out for shout out. And then I got to, I only got one shout from Steph. And that was the only shout that I got from her from referral. So just for reference, it wasn't like she was shouting me out all the time to grow. Now I'm at 8K free subs. And I'm at 2% on OnlyFans, which is an average of about like anyone who makes 2%, I can look and tell you. But like people need to understand that when you're joining OnlyFans to have a goal, you need to know like what a percentage person makes because what you have as your percent is what you make overall. So like I'm 0.1 on my paid page. So I make over 40K a month. And that's like, yeah. And that's something though that people don't realize is like Britannia, who's 0.001%, like she's top, like really high up there. She makes like 200K plus like maybe 400, 500. So once you get to those numbers, like people have to realize like you should be expecting to make money. So when you see girls saying that they make 20K at 0.1, they don't, they're not 0.1. Do you know what I mean? Cause they don't know what someone, like the percentage is based on what you make. Uh, Did you say 40K a month? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Bro, that's more, that's, than that's more than my, but that's salary. what I'm saying is like, it's something that people, don't understand is like you can use that as growth especially if you're starting out and you make a free page it's such an easy way for you to gauge like okay where do I want to be what do I want to do because when you're at eight percent you're probably pulling in 500 a whole month you know and that's fine that's great especially for people starting out but then it's pretty it's honestly not that hard to get to two percent and two percent I'm going to my statements so I can actually tell you two percent is for the month of May, I made $5,627. So that's 2%. So think about that's basically what you would make with your job in normal, like life, you know, and that's what my friends make in real life. And 2% is such an easy goal to get to on a, on a free page. It's free. And I got there without even telling my fans, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what blows my mind is like, you can have a sustainable income where you're not scraping up pennies to pay your bills. And, um, so I kind of wanted to do it from that aspect so that then I could help my girls who don't have a following like me and like, yeah, they get shout outs from me, but a shout out can only go so far. Like you really have to learn how to market yourself on OnlyFans. So I use OnlyFans to grow my free page. And I buy promo, but it's worth it because say you're making that, I would budget as a normal person who doesn't have a paid page and I'm just starting with my free, right? I would budget it to be probably, so say you make 5,000 in May, I would put 
2000 to $1,000 in promo to help you grow so that next month you're making 8K. And that's how I look at it because it's an investment. Like it's not something that is going to grow overnight, but if you can boost yourself up, that $1,000 you spent on promo and it's a free page to get people in the door is going to be a lot more beneficial than you telling your like two fans that you just started with to go to your free page. Because yeah, that's two people, but you can utilize OnlyFans that already have accounts, you know, like you don't even have to convince them. All you have to do is get them to hit the sub button and then just upsell them from there. So that's kind of like my position on a free page. Cause for me, I did not realize how amazing it was going to be until I joined. And like, it's something that gave me insight also on just without using my fans. Cause if I had my fans, I would easily have grown like a lot faster because it's free. Most of them have an OnlyFans, but they don't want to pay the $35 my VIP page has. And because obviously 35 is a lot, but free isn't, you know, free is something that anyone can do and anyone can start there. And you might start at like 8% like the girl that came to visit me and now she's at free and she has two other jobs. So this girl literally put in probably 20 hours that week to get there versus the 80 hours I work to get to where I'm at. You know what I mean? So like the amount of effort you put in for that week that she did boosted her so much. And now at 3%, she's probably making like 4,000. Bro, we've never, we didn't know like just how much. I love this. Yeah. I mean, I'm super big on business and like, I want to help everyone. And I think that people have to see if they want to be the 1%, the 0.1%, that's how much you can make, but you don't even need to get there. Like you could be 0.5 and that's 20 K right there a month. It sounds like you have this so down to a T and I was wondering if this is something that you learned from like experience or if you also had a mentor. I never had a mentor. I am someone that like, honestly, um, the only mentor I've ever had, she, she's not in the sex work industry. I do, re- I do like, uh, investing as well. Um, and she helped me with that, but then she tried to sell me on things and I realized everyone is in it for themselves. Everyone. Like she was, she's a great mentor with teaching me. Oh my God, Sydney, you got fucked over so bad by someone that's supposed to mentor you. And, <laughs> and then I realized I didn't want to be that person because I didn't want people to look at my stuff and think, wow, she's just trying to sell me on this. Like the only thing I want is either like when I review a girl's OnlyFans and just give them like a basic like tips that I notice off the bat and give them a list of things to change. All I want is a shout out in return. No money because a lot of girls in the beginning when they're starting out only have a certain amount of fans. They're not making enough money to pay their bills and pay for someone to mentor them. Um, And then the other thing is if they go under my referral, they get me instant access to me, my videos that are like not public they get access to the group chat, which has some of those girls in the group chat that don't talk very often, but do chime in when they can. They're making 20K, you know what I mean? Um, and so like you get access to that that dream team and teamwork makes the dream work. Like all the time in the chat yesterday, I was telling them like, hey, we need to help this girl out. We need to give her ideas on things she can shoot. She's going through a hard time. And literally within like five seconds of me getting in the car and driving, my phone was blowing up because of the group chat and everyone was giving ideas that were great. Like it wasn't the same basic thing. So I think that like when people see the value in what they can be and like where they can go, 
that's awesome. And I definitely don't think that you can't post nudes on the internet. I just know that for me, it wouldn't work. Like I know that my fans, if I can get off to a 30 second ad, if I can come to something like that, I know my fans can do the same. <laughs> like, like, and I, so that's why for me, like, I just know that it doesn't work for my brand, but at the same time, what I, what my goals are, are different from other people's. And like, there are girls that I've worked with who do completely different things than me and make the exact same amount of money. So like when people think that there's only one way to get there, there's not, it's just, who do you want to mentor you? Who do you feel like you connect with the most people tell me uh, that are in the chat? They're like, I just love how positive you are. And some girls that mentor are not positive. They're more like I'm cutthroat when I give them information, like in a video, but I'm not one of those people that's like, you're not doing anything, blah, blah. Like I will call someone out though, if they are just constantly complaining and chatting in the chat and never like posting on their OnlyFans, because I feel like if you're going to complain about not making money, but yet you're not making content to sell, then you're not helping yourself. Cause I'm a realist when it comes to that, but I'm also the person that knows like life happens. Not everyone is privileged in the way that I am with having been on the internet for so long, you can give me a camera and I'll literally like do anything with it, you know? So like, I just feel like everyone has a different method, like princess pineapple. I've never been part of her mentorship group or anything like that, but I know she offers it. I know Jenna Shea does. I know that my friend Daria, who's a uh, flower bomb does, and they all have very different methods than me. Like they're all a lot more harsh than me. I will hold your hand and write you a caption for your shout out for shout out. Like, but like other people are not like that, you know, and that's fine. It works. Like <clears throat> sometimes you need tough love, but not everyone is okay with that. Like I'm sensitive. So I would not take mentorship from someone that's not. Wait, so my question, so you were talking about um, reviewing people's OnlyFans pages. What are, obviously, don't want you to give out any trade secrets, but what are some of the most common mistakes you see people make on their OnlyFans pages? So, oh, this is the fun part. Um, I, when I look at an OnlyFans page, not everyone's perfect. Everyone has a different brand, but people don't util utilize the pinned post area. That is the easiest way for you to get across a message or put your best selling stuff. Or for me, like on my feed, that's where I pin my like favorite videos because a lot of people, when you have fans, your fans are not psychic. They don't understand OnlyFans the way that you do when you set your page up. Like, you know where to go to find that message that you posted two months ago, but no one else does. Like, they're not going to scroll that long. Um, so pin posts, not utilizing them. The other thing too is making their captions too long. I think that detail is great on a free page, but on a paid page, you don't need that much detail, like is if it's unlocked, if that makes sense. Um, and then the other thing too is like, they're not utilizing their mass DMs the way that they can. Cause mass DMs are something that for me, I, I was laughing so hard cause I had people buying stuff from 2019 back when um, people were asking for my shower video that I didn't make public because I just, had someone in it that was like pretty famous. So like I sold it as like a add on in the messages. People were buying that in 2020 from 2019. Like it was from like January of 2019 from like AVN, if that makes sense. And people are still unlocking it because it's still in your DMs. Even if they unsubscribe from you, that'll still be there. So they could technically still unlock it even if they're not on your page. Yeah. And that blew my mind. And then I realized like, Here's another thing that I can tell people to utilize. 
Wow. It's so crazy. Like, and I feel like I say this all the time, but sex work is like so much of a business thing, you know, and people never consider it to be, but like, <laughs> this is so crazy to listen to. Yeah. The sex work is a business. And I think people don't operate as a business. Like right now, I'm going to be really honest with what's going on. I'm just not posting a Twitter. I posted my video with my thoughts, my message, and it's just the last thing that's on my Twitter. And then I'm just going to keep it like that until I feel comfortable posting because my, my Twitter that I built up is at like 70 K, right? I'm not going to use my business page, my personal pages I'm using for this mission, you know, but my business page that I've put so much heart in it and soul into as a business, yes, you can put your statement like Netflix. They put one statement, many viz, they just posted their statement. All of these different businesses post a couple, you know, no more than three. When you're a business, you can use your platform to do whatever you want. But like for me personally, I don't feel comfortable because I also feel like if I word it wrong, it could be misconstrued and I could literally be blacklisted in an industry where that wasn't my intention, you know? So I never like, I just, everyone has personal accounts and I feel like if you're always the victim on, so, and this is not regarding what's happening right now, but I'm saying just in general, like I will not work with someone if their Twitter is literally a diary because then I feel like they're mentally unstable. And maybe that's something that like is judgmental of me, but it's a business. I won't work with someone. I won't fly them out to where I live. Cause I do that. Like I will literally fly a girl out. We'll work together for a day or two or three. And then we fucking make about at least 12 full length videos, sell the shit out of them, make bank. But I'm not going to work with someone if I feel like they are number one, going to make my mental health fucked up. Because if there's only victim stuff on their Twitter, I don't want that around me. I got good energy. (laughs) Um, The second thing is if I feel like they're going to dox me at some point, because obviously you have to sign model releases. So I wouldn't want to give you my personal information if you're problematic, you know? And then the other thing is if I've ever heard that you don't get tested or just little stuff like that, like I just personally would rather just cut my losses and not work with you. So when you post all your dirty laundry on the uh, Twitter it's not something that I would do. And it's a business no matter what, when it comes down to what's going on right now, you have the choice to use your platform or not. I used my platform and I decided, you know what, every day I'll just retweet that same thing. That way it's still there. And I am not like, because I'm someone that like last night, you guys know, I told you literally I had tear gas for the first time flowing through my windows and my doors and not realizing that last night because my house is so close to the protests. And so I'm living it. Like, I'm not someone that's not trying to have change. I'm not over here saying, fuck all of this because it's not worth it. It is. But I'm also not someone that's going to be like, woe is me. This happened to me last night because I don't feel like that's okay to post on my Twitter. The other thing, too, is like, I feel like I'm not someone who, and I want to word this properly because I'm someone that like, if I have the right words, I have them pretty fast. If I don't, I don't. So that's why I'm not choosing to post 24 seven on Twitter, like some, because I just feel like I posted one tweet yesterday saying that I wanted to buy sex workers that were black. I wanted to buy their, their links, like whatever they were promoting. I wanted to like, just support them and retweet. And literally I got reamed within 20 seconds of that being posted. And I was like, this is why I'm not going to talk because there you have the people like no one was hating on my actual, like, 
support of them. What they were hating on was that's you should be out protesting. Like all these things were like, if I have anxiety, I'm not going to go and protest because that's something that personally for me, I have PTSD from like other experiences in my life and protesting would just bring back too much versus what I can do is like buy their content, help them pay their bills this month, like all of that. But instead the comments I was getting was this isn't what we need right now. You should be out protesting, not buying uh, their content, all this stuff from like people. And so I just deleted it. Cause I was like, you know what? I can just support my, the message that I have retweet it and then retweet people and just not tweet until I feel comfortable. So I just, I just keep quiet because I know that the people that I have worked with are very like, they know I'm supportive. They know where my heart is. So I'm just like, I don't feel like I need to, I feel like what I do best is just promote their links that when we've worked together so they can make the sales for now and just let other people who are so passionate go and protest. You know what I mean? Cause I'm passionate, but I can't, I cannot go. Like one of my best friends, she's there doing that and she's keeping me updated and I'm very happy about that. And I'm over there encouraging her, but I just cannot do it myself. And, um, and, and like my other thing too, is I do believe there needs to be change. So I'm not ever going to be the person on Facebook saying that this isn't like right and blah, blah, blah. Cause Arizona has been hit really hard with all of this. So like everyone's super, uh, either it's a, it's a red state. So, you know, everyone's out here, like on my personal Facebook saying things that you're just like, it's either a hundred percent support or a hundred percent against and literally like showing why racism exists, you know? Yeah. And I also, I mean, I, I'm not a black person, but I don't think, I think you were doing the right thing by saying that you wanted, I think there's so many ways to be supporting the black community as non-black people right now. And like, just because you can't go out and protest doesn't mean you can't support black sex workers. Doesn't mean you can't donate. Doesn't mean you can't, you know? So yeah, I, I just, I don't know if my opinion matters, but it sounds like you were doing the right thing to me. Right. Right. And like, let's get into another topic that goes along with this. Okay. So I'm part of like a lot of chats that have girls that make like bank, like way more than me. Like I'm literally like the lowest, like in the chat and I'm just, I'm sorry, way more than, way more than you. What the Yeah. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like literally per month, they're making like 200 K and I'm in these chats and I'm over here just like listening. And it is crazy to hear how they see other sex workers that are, cause these girls will donate like they have they are all white they are all supportive they're all open-minded right and the crazy thing about it is like I'm in this chat right and I don't really look at the chats very often because I'm just someone that likes stay in my lane but I was reading the chat yesterday and it was crazy to see there do you guys know Kaylin Ward the naked philanthropist yeah so uh, first things first, I've made a video about her. I've bought her promo. I have my opinions on her. Um, <clears throat> so I have a lot of evidence in the sense that, like, in my opinion, she's there for the money. She's not there for the people. And that's my own opinion. Um, and that's just because I I bought promo from her and I know how much I paid and I know I did not gain a single thing from it. And she is one of the only people that has never offered to make it better to make it worthwhile, if that makes sense. 
but that's not what I'm even like that's not something that even upsets me it's more just like it shows character when that stuff happens it's also a business transaction uh which so I don't expect her to do that but you see other sex workers that do and then someone that doesn't and then you see what happens in a group chat so there was something that happened in this chat there were screenshots of her twitter her basically saying I think again it was like a free nude if they donated to the Minneapolis Freedom Fund which I don't think she should be capitalizing on every strategy. You go back on her Twitter and every single thing that has happened that was bad since those Australia fires, she has capitalized on. She has gone viral in other ways because she knows that that's how she can gain fame. And that's totally fine. It's a great marketing ploy. But the girls that I was in the chat with, I didn't even like weigh in. I was just reading it. Um... They were all saying, they were like, we haven't even given anyone an incentive. We don't even post. One of the girls, she's PayPal'd one of the funds, you know, I think it was Minnesota Freedom or Minneapolis Freedom Fund, $1,500. She put so much of her hard-earned money, right? And didn't post it, didn't tell anyone. The only one people that know her in the group chat because we were just like saying, oh, where else can we donate, blah, blah. And then they were talking about just how Kaylin capitalizes on it and tries to use it to her advantage to profit off of, especially when it's a Black Lives Matter situation. And she's not Black. She is not someone that needs to profit right now. Post your donation and be done. You know what I mean? Like, if you're trying to encourage donations, post it and be done. Don't tell people they get a free nude out of it if they do it. Like, you should, in my opinion, because there are girls that are, like... There's a couple girls that are women of color in the chat, but they're not, they're not black, if that makes sense. And none of them were even like profiting off of any of it. Like they're all just like staying quiet because they know that that's not their place. And um, they are just saying how they were not respected. They don't respect her anymore because they feel like she doesn't actually care about others. She just cares about the situation and I'm not someone to talk trash if that makes sense but it's a very telling story when they capitalize on every tragedy and I have a feeling the next one we'll probably be able to look and see that she's going to capitalize off of it as well and that's the business of the game you know but Netflix isn't trying to capitalize off of it right now many vids isn't trying to like whatever else companies that I follow that I've seen None of them are saying, here's a free OnlyFans link to it. You know what I mean? Like, they're not giving a special deal. They're just saying we support. Yeah. So. I Yeah. I think, like I said, going back, there are so many ways to be supportive. And, I mean, I've also heard a few things about this girl that were, mm, maybe she's racist. So. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I didn't want to get into that because I feel the same way (laughs) yeah yeah so definitely seems like yeah her mind's not in the right place but not not gonna get into that but yeah I think I'm all out of questions Emily do you have anything else you want to add so a lot of people are starting up in OnlyFans right now and the way that our conversation is going it almost seems easy to just go ahead and get up to five percent um but what's the fastest way to figure out if that type of sex work is for you or not all right so in my opinion and this is like my opinion from helping a lot of girls and having girls literally just realize it's not for them 
my opinion is you have to have a business mindset. You can't go into it and be someone that doesn't think in a business way. Like it's a business. It can't be just your hobby. Um, it can be a hobby, but if you're wanting it to be a business, you have to go into it with that mindset. The next thing is you give yourself a month. If you don't see progress within a month and by progress, I mean, make a goal and that's realistic. And my realistic goal that I would say to you is 5% or 8%. If you can't get there within a month, it's not for you. You should explore other options, get places that draw you your traffic because OnlyFans doesn't bring you traffic. OnlyFans is a place that you have to bring your own traffic. Many vids, um, which I'm not paid to talk about them or anything. Many vids is someone that has traffic on their site. When I joined, I did not promote my link for a solid six to nine months and I made sales every single day. So Many of it is a place that I know has real traffic that they bring to you. Um, Model Hub has traffic. Um, Streammate is the place to start if you are needing to make money, in my opinion. The thing about Streammate is you can't talk about other clip stores or sell them on anything else. So you just need to know that like that's a place to make money to pay your bills if you're starting out and you're like, I don't know if OnlyFans is for me. OnlyFans, though... If you're starting out, make it a free page, make it something where you can draw people in and sell them once they get there. And I think if you give yourself that month, you'll know whether or not it's meant for you. Make the content, make it worthwhile, sell it on the other platforms. That way you make money off of it because your time is valuable. So use it to promote on every platform. Like everything on my many vids, my OnlyFans and my model hub are all the same. Nothing's different. The only difference is the fact of where I put it. So you need to use your content and make money off of making it and post it everywhere. That way you can see within a month, have I made $5? Have I not made a single sale? Because I know people who literally are still in the industry who have not made a sale in over a month and they wonder why they're not hitting. And maybe it's just not either the right platform. They're not doing the right thing. Or maybe it's just not right for them and they need to get out of the industry because they're going to become bitter over it, you know? And a lot don't treat it like a business either. And that's the other thing. Like you can't use your Twitter as your diary if you're trying to make sales. Yeah. And so that's my own opinion. Like I say after a month, you would know. Because if as I always say after three days, you'll know if you like the platform itself. You know, three days of actually doing it, not three days of sitting there hoping something will happen. You know what I mean? Um, and I always say three days of shooting something, but you'll look back in a year if it hits and it does well, you'll look back in a year and you'll say, wow. I started with an iPhone. I started here and people still loved it. I look back and I think to myself, dear God, Sydney, the stuff that is on the internet that you made in the beginning is so weird. Like literally I would post things where I'd have toilet paper on my asshole and I would still send them that nude. And I would, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like dirty asshole, if that makes sense. But it would like, it would just be one little piece that I could have retaken the picture. And I think to myself, like now I would, I learned that. But in the beginning, you're like, they still liked it. They still paid $15 for that, like, whatever. And okay. and they still loved it and came back, you know? Yeah. Well, we're coming up on time. So I'm going to wrap this up. But Sydney, I super appreciate you coming and talking with us. I feel like you gave so much valuable information. Yeah, everything was so well thought out. Like, I was very... That's, I, we never really get to talk about the business side of sex work as much. So it was very interesting getting to hear that from you. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad that I could do that. And thank you for having me on. I hope that anyone who's watching or listening is <laughs> anyone who's listening. I hope that you enjoyed. I hope that it gave you some insight. Maybe you took something out of it that you can utilize for your own platforms to make more money. I agree. Or to be safe. <laughs> All of those things are important. So you can follow us on Instagram at Candy Girl Podcast or on Twitter at Candy Girl Pod. And you can follow Sid at on Twitter, you're at Fit Sydney, right? Yep, it's Fit Sydney on Instagram, on Twitter, and then you can go to my OnlyFans, which is onlyfans.com slash xxxfitsid is my free page, which I suggest you start there. See if you like what you see. And if you're a sex worker that's like listening and you're looking for like inspiration on a free page, go and look at mine. I don't care if you follow. So, yeah. <laughs> and if you guys noticed our new soundtrack, that's also written by a Sydney, Sydney Bueller. You guys should follow her on Instagram. We did an episode with her, our Pop Rocks episode she's in. So, yeah, give her a follow. She makes a lot of good music. We're really excited to have this new track. And also, if you want to get in contact with us or Sydney and you have any questions, you can email us at outlook.com. Again, Sydney, thank you so much for talking to us today, and we'll hear from you guys next Friday. Bye.